Welcome to the July Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Stephen Richards, a partner in the Pensions Team and I have with me Graham Wrightson, another partner in the team. Today we're going to talk about some of the key pensions law developments up to the end of June 2018, including the consultation on potential changes to the pensions regulator's powers and a few revealing cases relating to occupational pension schemes and their sponsoring employers. So Graham, the big news this month is the new consultation on the potential expansion of the pensions regulator's powers. Could you tell us what the DWP is looking to get feedback on? I certainly can, Stephen. The origin of this consultation can be traced back to the failure of BHS and the subsequent impact on its defined benefit pension scheme. In particular, the press spotlight focused on the sale of BHS to a group of investors who had inadequate funds to support the company in the pension scheme. The government subsequently produced a white paper called Protecting Defined Benefit Pension Schemes in March 2018, and the DWP will be consulting on the different areas of the white paper separately, starting with this consultation on enhancing TPR's powers. The consultation will seek responses on a variety of topics relating to TPR's powers, including giving TPR further capability to impose penalties, such as larger fines and criminal sanctions, and exploring new ways in which TPR can give closer scrutiny to the actions of sponsoring employers in corporate transactions, in particular through changes to the notifiable events regime and a new declaration of intent from a sponsoring employer on its plans in relation to its pension scheme. The consultation will also look at enhancing TPR's moral hazard powers, contribution notices and financial support directions, including widening the scope of potential targets of TPR's powers and reviewing the existing criteria for when those powers can be used. Sponsoring employers and trustees can expect changes to the regulatory regime further down the road, but should anticipate that TPR will be adopting already its new strategy of being a stronger, quicker, tougher regulator. The consultation will run until 21st of August 2018. Thanks, Graham. It sounds like we are entering a new era of tougher oversight of pension schemes and their sponsoring employers. There have been a number of interesting pensions cases lately, none more so than the case relating to the G4S trustees. This case confirmed that retaining a link to an employee's final salary in a pension scheme, in which members no longer accrue years of service, does not constitute pensionable service for the purposes of the employer debt legislation. The distinction is important as an employer with employees in pensionable service could owe a statutory debt under Section 75 of the Pensions Act 1995 to the pension scheme upon ceasing to employ any employees in pensionable service. This will provide comfort to sponsoring employers in relation to closed schemes which retain a final salary link. Another relevant case relating to a claim by the Palestine Solidarity Campaign against the Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government gives us some clues as to the limits of guidance issued under a statutory power. In this instance, the guidance was issued by the Secretary of State in relation to the Local Government Pension Scheme. Whilst the court held that the guidance did not extend beyond the scope of the authorising legislation, the case demonstrates that there are limits to the scope of guidance issued under a statutory power. Guidance and codes of practice issued by the pensions regulator would be subject to similar principles. The case concerned guidance published by the Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government in relation to the investment strategy of authorities administering the local government pension scheme. In particular, the guidance required that an authority, when making investment decisions, considers any factors that are financially material to the performance of their investments, including social, environmental and corporate governance factors. 
However, using pension policies to pursue boycotts, divestment and sanctions against foreign nations and UK defence industries are inappropriate. Further, when formulating and maintaining its policy on social, environmental and corporate governance factors, the guidance states that an administering authority should not pursue policies that are contrary to UK foreign policy or UK defence policy. These statements in the guidance were challenged by the claimants who objected to the limiting effect of the guidance on their ability to campaign around the investment of local government pension funds, in particular in respect of issues relating to Palestine. The government expressed concerns that involving local government pension funds in political issues might undermine community cohesion at home and could impact adversely on the financial success of UK defence industries. The court considered whether the statements in the guidance extended beyond the scope of the legislation, which gives the Secretary of State the power to issue guidance. The court held that the legislation does permit wider considerations of public interest to be taken into account when formulating guidance, and that guidance did not extend beyond the scope of the legislation. Thanks for that, Stephen. I've noticed an increase in the number of pensions issues relating to environmental, social and governance factors in pension scheme investment at the moment. I expect we'll see further developments in this area as ESG continues to grow in prominence to members and to regulators. Two discrimination cases relevant to pensions also made the news recently. First, the Court of Justice of the European Union considered the case of MB, who was born a male in 1948 and married in 1974. She began to live as a woman in 1991 and underwent sex reassignment surgery in 1995. Enby did not, however, hold a full certificate of recognition of her change of gender. As for that certificate to be granted, her marriage had to be annulled. Without the full certificate, Enby was not treated as a woman for the purpose of determining her state pension age and was not granted a state pension from age 60. The court held that the UK legislation which required marriage annulment before granting a certificate of recognition of change of gender was directly discriminatory on grounds of sex. Member states cannot treat differently those who have changed gender after marrying and those who have kept their birth gender and are married, with regard to the age of entitlement to a state retirement pension. The UK Supreme Court has also given judgment on a discrimination case recently and found that restricting civil partnerships to same-sex couples and not heterosexual couples is discriminatory. Trustees should therefore keep an eye on their rules to assess the impact of rulings such as these, particularly in the context of survivor benefits such as spouses' pensions. Lastly, there are some big cases on the horizon, two of which Stevenson Harwood are advising on. The High Court is now hearing the Lloyds Bank GMP equalisation case, which many in the pensions industry hope will grasp the nettle on how to equalise GMPs. The Supreme Court has also now considered the ability of the Bernardo's pension scheme to switch to CPI rather than RPI, and a decision is expected in the coming months. And finally, BT is appealing to the Court of Appeal after the High Court rejected its argument to move to CPI rather than RPI as the appropriate index for pension increases. The Court has now confirmed that the appeal hearing will begin on the 9th of October 2018 and is estimated to last three days. That's all for this month's podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative. And don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud or on the Stevenson Harwood website. 